0: The Open Nesters is a weekly podcast focusing on couples and individuals who are looking for new beginnings after their kids have left the nest.
1: This week on The Open Nestor Podcast with Kit and Jeff.
2: You know, there, there have not been big external stresses. on You know, we're, we're not in the process of trying to define our lives or figure out what our future is going to look like or, you know, thinking about trying to buy a house or have kids or raise kids these very big life decisions and projects are behind us. So we kind of just get to fool around, you know? It's
1: <laughs>
0: We're so excited because we were surprised this week as we enter this February month and talk about relationships that our podcast ranked in good pods, they sent us notice 18th in relationship podcast. Out of the hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, a million or two million in the world.
1: Yeah, 18, and that was already the beginning of January they ranked us. Who knows where we are now?
0: And the top 100, so thank you all for listening.
1: Tessa, you intrigued me with the name of the episode in... Kitten Jeff, when she's married for the third time, and that's why we call it the third third.
0: Both of them marrying their third time and getting clarity in their third, and and how love is sometimes comes from going through difficult times. Sometimes it comes through pain of other things, and so love is not all joy. And this episode really describes something beautiful, joyful, fun, and real.
1: And they met for the third time. While they're in Open Nesters, let's get to Kit and Jeff.
0: Welcome, Kit and Jeff, to this Open Nesters podcast, which is something Amir and I created and I told Kit all about when I met her in Hanalei and this wonderful, elevating women experience that we all got to have in Kauai together. And Kit and I had this great chat about relationships and where, where we're, how we're becoming as we in womenhood, especially become crones, become wiser, coming into a stage that we embrace our, our men and our relationships, our, the people in our lives in new ways, and welcome. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. I want to start because I think we're going to call this episode just to give it a framing, refining relationships.
2: Where are you located right now? Where are you?
0: We're in Point Richmond in the San
3: Francisco Bay Area.
2: We're looking across the bay at Mount Tamalpais. (laughs) Uh-huh.
3: Okay. Okay. So we're framing it through relationship, yeah? Sure. How I've come to this stage in my life in relationships. So um, I call it my third third, entering my third third. And I feel really lucky to be at this stage in my life where I've had two committed relationships, two marriages before this one. This is my third. We're both on our third, as it is. And, um, you know, we talk about this all the time. We have learned so much. We feel like we've earned our stripes, as you say, as they
0: say.
1: Earned your wings.
0: No, stripes.
3: stripes. You earned your stripes, stripes
1: is like general. It's like,
0: yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's kind of a dated expression, but yeah. We've, we've arrived where we are through hard work in previous relationships. Not that this relationship doesn't require hard work but nothing like where we were before this. I feel like we have done our, per- I'll speak for myself. I feel like I have done my personal work, you know, through, through dance, actually, through most of my personal work happened through conscious movement, mindful movement. I arrived in this relationship having two marriages that didn't work. And when I met Jeff at this stage in my life, it was completely clear, well, you can tell our meeting story, but when we met, we pretty much knew the day we met. That we had found our person. If not that night, the next the next date, which he brought me Kiwis to my door the next day, and then we went on a bike ride the day after. And by the end of the week, we were both in. We were just in. We knew. I knew it in my heart. I knew it in my body. I, you know, there's a there's a familiarity in the way we see our say the world and our lifestyles and our values. We just recognized ourselves and each other. We're so compatible. We were we met on OKCupid. And we were ninety-seven percent compatible, ninety-seven percent match, and it shows. We are ninety-seven percent compatible. It's crazy. It's
0: crazy. Wow, that's really yeah, high. Exactly. I mean, I don't know the OK Cupid stats, exactly. but for anything, that's so high. Well, a-,
1: a hundred is a hundred. So there's nobody with a hundred, I think.
0: And Jeff, you want to catch us up to till that meeting point as well?
2: Well, I mean, it's a, it's a fairly similar story. Um, you know, third time's a charm as far as marriages go. And I think one of the things that really struck me when I, when I first met you was that we, you know, we hung out for two or three hours in your front room kind of jabbering and kind of catching up and finding out all these layers of overlap, both historically and emotionally and spiritually and all the thing you know, the final thing that you said to me was that what really is most important to you is just having fun, you know, and you laughed your laugh. And that was all I, you know, I want to be with someone who wants to have fun, whose highest priority is to have fun. There's that's some number on the Enneagram, I guess. Uh- <laughs> We're both sevens, just for
1: the record. <laughs> okay, you both yeah. sevens. That's amazing. How
2: long you've been together? Coming up on 10 years. Just about 10 years. Yeah.
0: Actually, since you both mentioned it, why don't we talk about Enneagram? We've never talked about that. I mean, you don't have to come from a place of expertise, but how did you both, how, how are you both saying we're both sevens with such resonance?
3: Enneagram is just a personality typing and the seven right. is a fun seeker and an epicurean and an explorer and um, someone driven by pleasure and fun. And I think we both, we both fall into that category. It just, that's who we are.
2: Yeah. Not a lot, of, not a lot of drama. I've tried to bring drama into it, especially early on. I wouldn't have it, <laughs> and it didn't land. <laughs> so I sort of learned that that was that was an acquired that was an acquired refused. behavior that I was able to let go of. It's still it's still really unfolding for me because in the process of separating from my kids' mom, that was super traumatic, and I actually lost touch with with both of my girls for a I don't know a decades. And so, what has actually transpired with me with Kit is that. First, my my older daughter came to get to know Kit. She was more open to having an ongoing relationship or rekindling a relationship with me more so than my younger daughter. The fact that I was lucky enough to to have the attention and love of someone as wonderful as this person means that my kids get an amazing stepmom who offers them things that that are new to them. And I I, I cannot express the gratitude that I have because when when I split from their mom, it was it was beyond traumatic. And a lot of that trauma came from my intention to be a good parent and, and having a fundamentally different idea of what good parenting was from from their mom. And having them decide they wanted to go with mom's track, not dad's track and and sort of writing me off there's been tremendous healing and now it, there is an opening for that i mean it's still unfolding my younger daughter is 31 years old and she is coming to visit us i haven't seen her i haven't seen her physically in 6 years she's coming to spend christmas with us with her new husband who i don't know <laughs> they're going to meet kit and it's going to be it's going to be an interesting process so I, I can't tell you how it's how it turns out because it hasn't turned out yet it's 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 still unfolding
0: Well, that's actually why we call it The Open Nest. I think it's always still always unfolding rather than feeling an emptiness about where the kids are in our lives and how we can embrace them and how they can come in and out of our lives. And I recently interviewed uh, a man who wrote Rules of Estrangement of many parents. And actually, nowadays, it's somewhat of an epidemic. Dr. Jonathan Coleman wrote this book, Joshua Coleman, about how many kids are actually severing ties, especially after divorce. It's very common. And how some of the tools that, that we use, so I'm curious about you two, like, so Kit brought in, I'm sure, Conscious Dance. I don't know if that has an impact. Where do you feel like, Kit, that you're, the opening came from with with Jeff's daughters that helped that transition and that and created that space, that safe mm-hmm. space for them to now be exploring anew?
3: Well, it's my second time, my second marriage, I raised my second husband's kids from when they were five and seven. So I've, it's my second round of being a step stepparent. Uh, I've learned a few things along the way. And, you know, I think if you play it right, you're like an aunt instead of a mom. And, you know, I'm not meaning to replace anybody. I can't replace their mom in any situation. And as long as I'm good with that and make peace with my own you know, lack of biological kids and um, find my way into relationships for young people where I do, you know, I've been an educator all my life. So I've, I've been around young people my whole adult life. So I'm comfortable. And I think that that availability and ease probably comes through and i'm i'm open and i'm a good listener and i ask good questions and you know i think young people want to be seen and so when um, I make myself available and I'm fun you know I like to do fun things I know Jeff's oldest was drawn to me um, because my artistic bent and we've kind of explored art a little bit together she actually was just over here last night and credited me with bringing art into her world and helping her become more creative which I was just thrilled to hear but that was something her mom didn't offer her you know it wasn't a thing they shared so I think I'm you know, I'm interested and available and engaged
0: and bring different things to their lives. So I don't know if that answers. And seeing them for where they are. I mean, sometimes we have pre-programming as parents and that's the issue with not seeing our kids or as an, as, as a human being in a young person's life. So you've had that experience. I, I know as a principal of a school and, and so seeing one-on-one and being seen for all of us is so important. And then The stages of adolescence and this anxiety ridden world that they live in to redefine themselves. I know that millennials are having a harder time also for that reason because they're, they're what how how Dr. Coleman describes it is that they're individuating so much. And sometimes they have to do it by cutting off ties Mm -hmm. because it's such an extreme time for them to figure out how to find themselves. And that's an interesting dance. So you just seeing them and playfully coming in, I always talk about playfully coming in, like that's so. Way. it makes it so much more so much more ease and lightness to that so do you have questions specific
1: well i, I was uh, wondering um, jeff what is it that you are hoping that this visit uh, with your daughter would be I mean how, how do you see it what would what, what you what is the best kind of possible outcome from that
2: you know I'm my next birthday is 65 and I've learned a couple things kit, kit said this a second ago and you know one of the places where i just feel deep disappointment was not being able to be present for my kids when they were adolescents i want my children to feel like they're not alone in the world and that they've got some kind of support and backup and people who who have the wherewithal to be help in their lives not not just financially that too it's tough i wouldn't want to be their age right now you know, okay. historically,
0: I wouldn't want to be their age either, right? So, not even helping them grow up, but helping them navigate.
2: Yeah. And yeah, no, growing up is—I I, I, can't control. Growing up is done. You know, they're—they're they're both in their thirties. I—I, I, right. you know, there's no no more of that. But but, you know, to have their lives just just feel a little bit more cushioned in some way.
0: Right, people need some of a cushion, and that's why this idea of of the nest being open and open hearted and open as far as who you're becoming and and supportive is so essential so i so i feel that from you that and do hope that your kids do too so as they come into for the holidays and it's a it's a beautiful place to to welcome Mm -hmm.
1: them well i also hope that this will bridge the future with with the past so you know that visit can basically rectify the the past somehow and bridge it uh, to look forward
2: there's a very interesting point there which is that I don't know if this is true, but I but I hold it to be true that that we don't remember pain very well, that you know when pain happens in the moment it can be very acute and it, and it occupies your entire consciousness. When it's done mm. reflecting, I think if if many women remembered pain, there would be very few women who had more than one child, for example. You know, it's just like well, I'm not doing that again. So what I have found is that it doesn't accumulate. If I can have one good, clear, loving day with my daughter, then the twenty years that have gone before don't matter. I mean, they just don't matter.
1: That's exactly what I meant. That visit can erase almost yeah. uh, past ten years of, yeah. of really of uh, disappointment, regrets, yeah, uh, and, and pain. Yeah,
0: and being present, really fully present, yeah. and that's the thing I, f- I feel from you. How does your life intersect at its best, and and what are the obstacles? What are some of the the things that are that are rough?
2: We laugh a lot. We laugh a lot at ourselves. I would say. I'm just, just now reading uh, Welcoming the Unwelcome by Pema Chodron. We're reading this, you know, we're, we're, we got a chapter going every night. And, you know, she's a, a good Buddhist writer. And the, the older I get, the more I realize that stuff just doesn't matter. You know, what's in front of me right now, what seems like a challenge, or, you know, whether it's family issues or the dog whining or a hole in the roof. I mean, everything is fixable. And in particular, those moments of... Egoic attachment where we sort of get sucked into I'm right, no, I'm right. <laughs> it's been, but we're both firstborns. And and both of us really like to I mean, I'll speak for myself. I like to be right. I, I mean I am right. I am right. Uh-huh. That's you know. <laughs> and so when when Kit challenges that and brings up something where maybe I'm not right, that's the shit that's ends up kind of mattering more than wait, wait, no, that doesn't matter. I could be wrong. I'll just I I, I know what, I'll just be wrong. <laughs> and then then we can laugh at it and the intersection the intersection becomes okay like we both see that in ourselves we can just kind of let go of needing to be right
1: do you think birth order has to do with being right
0: well you know we're both oldest we're both oldest yeah yeah i mean we we definitely
3: bump into (laughs) who's in charge who's in charge yeah
0: so have you resolved that when you've done some work together because what was tell us a little bit about your work lives we
3: owned a harbor together and we tried to we tried to be entrepreneurs together. Jeff is an entrepreneur a serial entrepreneur, entrepreneur has been for Ooh. his whole adult life. And I'm I am not. I'm an, I'm an educator and now coach and I don't know I didn't know when we bought a harbor together anything about business. So I was sort of learning as I went and that was really challenging that was really challenging and didn't really work and we got out of it we got out of that venture luckily i think we've learned to keep our work separate really i mean i support jeff in his ventures sort of like a coach on the side you know i do a lot of listening i give my two cents when it's wanted sometimes when it's not wanted He just knows way more about business than I do. And that's, you know, I just have to trust that he's got what he's got. So that's one thing that we've both learned is we have our areas of expertise and to recognize each other's offerings and not step on each other's domains because we have very different areas of strength.
0: Your work and what you're excited about with going forward in, in your coaching and in the work that you're doing now.
3: So it's been, um, it's been a very interesting two years um, as we've all gone indoors, inside, online, and we have uh, transitioned and let go of the world as we knew it. And so my work has been a lot about supporting people in letting go of sometimes life, sometimes parents, sometimes friends through death and illness, and also letting go of the lifestyles that we knew, but pre-COVID and pre this time. So my work is around coaching, um, around grief support and transition and you know to some extent resilience, but as I've been saying recently, I think resilience is overla- overrated. I think we really need to sort of settle into what is and give ourselves space to grieve and uh, mark this time of change and uh, be with that. So I have a mindful approach, mindfulness approach, and an embodied approach, and work with people online or in person or on the phone to be with that and to recognize where they are authentically and move from that
0: place. So profound for me to hear. I love that people know that and will know also how to reach you. So we'll put that on the the blog and the Internet and the website um, as well. Our friends Lori Handlers and Michael Gibson are unique relationship coaches. They teach seduction as a team sport. Intimacy can be a difficult topic for many people, but there are ways to make it fun. And that's exactly what they do. When you attend a week long retreat with them, you'll strengthen your connection, expand your pleasure in the bedroom and discover rituals that will open up your heart to more love. The responsibility for all of that is shared. It's not placed on one partner or the other.
1: If this all sounds good to you, these two experts are offering their intimate and expansive week-long retreat this March 9 through the 15 in Roetan, Honduras, just for those wanting to look forward to a life of love, passion, and amazing connections. To find out more, go to honduras.extraordinarylovers.com. Yeah, COVID did change the world the way we know it. There's no question about it. Letting go is very important, what you're saying. It's letting go is what you know of yourself before COVID. We had a thriving business and after COVID, after March, it was shrunk down to minimum. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but letting go is a really, really, really tough act to follow. It's very difficult. Indeed. You know, if you can coach people to how to be able to do that and let them, let them think about what it is and just be mindful of it, then that is really, uh, you know, sweeten the pain a little bit.
0: There's something in the release and the surrender as we get older in uncertainty anyway. So I believe that COVID given us that and i look at it as that as a gift just as any kind of obstacle that we face in our lives is how do we frame that as our growth opportunity for embracing as we age uncertainty and and the world and how we stay as jeff was saying present to the moment to make that
1: count yeah, And it ties into what jeff says right. uh, exactly that a lot of things don't matter and and that is very wise very wise in in the age that we're getting into. Uh, to really realize that uh, you know the dork barking right now, it really doesn't matter. When uh, an argument even that is happening right now, it doesn't really matter. And that is so wise to but some, realize. But
0: some that. things do matter, and you need to be yes. sad about them for a while. So it's all relative. So, so, Jeff, how about your work? Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing or what's exciting you these days?
2: I was am in the in the very fortunate position of having inherited a, a self storage facility from my dad. He built it in the mid '90s, and it's in a historically kind of challenged neighborhood here in richmond in the in the northeast bay and i've been spending the last 10 years converting storage spaces into workspaces so we've taken storage units and taken out the dividers between these storage units and we've created a big a big gallery and we've got a wood shop and a metal shop and we've just inaugurated a commercial kitchen so we're turning it into a venue in our depressed neighborhoods which has historically been a food desert and and where cultural opportunities have been few and far between so i just love it there's a lot of moving parts with what i'm doing right now and fortunately there's still enough of a storage business to kind of finance dabbling in these other things but you know family and and other minority minority owners in this business are saying hey you know you've been fooling around here long enough it's time to you know time to start kicking it down so you know the the big challenge right now is how to integrate all these different little bits of business and and make some kind of a coherent whole for the whole thing uh, so that it makes sense both both culturally and financially and you know so uh, my work is is super creative and fun right now because i feel like i've I've, you know I've, i've thrown a lot of stuff against the wall and now we've got to decide, you know, what to cultivate and, and and how to how to position the whole thing to have it move forward in a way that's that's viable, that's sustainable. How
3: about
1: but, but you are changing the landscape of the neighborhood.
2: Kit, you know, says I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've never really been super successful financially, at least in anything. And, and you know, I've, I've tried a lot. I've been doing my whole life. I've been trying. You only need one or two. Well, one home run. One one home run. <laughs> one. A, triple, a triple is good, too. And you, and you just got to stay at bat. You just got to keep swinging. Yeah. So I'm, I'm having a lot of fun, actually. I'm having a lot of fun.
1: So,
0: Kit, we're revisiting this discussion about how resilience may be overrated and how embodiment, especially through dance and the things you've been conscious of during grief times, during difficult times, how that's really informed your life. Yeah, you know, this whole idea, do you remember the pause
3: in COVID, like the beginning of summer, last spring, when there was a nanosecond where things looked like they were coming back to some form of normalcy, whatever that was, and people were starting to talk about, well, what's the culture in the office gonna be like? And how are we, you know, what have we learned? What lessons have we learned from COVID? And where, you know, how can we be resilient and bounce back, And at that time was when I started thinking and started experiencing from my clients that resilience is overrated. They weren't ready to be resilient. They weren't able to be resilient. They weren't feeling the bounce back yet. And I think our crazy Western doing, going, striving culture is so focused on that on so focused on moving forward. And we sort of go up and out of ourselves you know, that sort of breathy up and out leave our bodies. And for me, this is where um, conscious dance or mindful movement, as I like to call it, brings us back to ourselves. For me, mindful movement gives us the opportunity to settle into our bodies and what our bodies know. For instance, when, when you've got that ootsie feeling, you know, ootsie, that sort of can't sit still, maybe your foot is wiggling or you're tapping or um, you have that sort of nervous energy but it's in your body. Now it could be caffeine, but if it's a feeling of how your emotions are expressing in your body, that is something to listen to. It's not something to get rid of. It's not something to move past. It's something to pause and have a mindful moment to see, wow, what's up? What is my body telling me in this moment? Mindfulness, we're all familiar with mindfulness, right? That opportunity to pause and be with and find presence, and then from that point to tune into our bodies. And we can stay in that pause state, if that's what's called, what's needed, or we can go to that Utsi place and move from there in a conscious, mindful way. So it's not making the feeling go away, it's not ignoring it, it's not changing it, it's going into the feeling, and being with it and identifying it.
0: Dancing with it, witnessing and yes. dancing with it. Exactly. So right now I have this kind of heaviness in my body from something I went through. So knowing how to honor that, even with the kind of music or dance that I want to kind of settle in with, right? Yes. Like how can that feel in my body to allow that heaviness to, to be to be okay with it, right?
3: Yes, yes. To be present with it right that's what we're all in you know that's what eastern philosophies are are trying to bring to our western culture in its most black and white simplistic form how can we just be with be present with whatever it is we're experiencing
0: and sometimes we don't know i remember you telling me that story i'd like you to repeat about after 911 how or after sandy hook actually mm that you went into one of your, I think it was your Sweat Your Prayers, one of the, Gabriel Gabriel Roth does this beautiful five rhythms. I've done many of her conscious dance programs. And I do feel like there is so much to access through group work, right? So Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you
3: for remembering that story. So I was a school principal when Sandy Hook happened on the East Coast. And uh, it happened on a Tuesday. And I, you know, it was obviously there was a lot as a school principal, a lot of it transferred every school across the country, maybe through the world had had issues of adjusting and, you know, dealing with what was happening on the East Coast in our own way, primarily around safety. And it was a lot to hold. And, you know, in that job, super busy, super go, 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 there wasn't a lot of time to be with. And it happened on a Tuesday. By Saturday, I was in a, a dance group, a Gabriel Roth, Five Rhythms, Gath- dance group and the facilitator paused and circled us up at the beginning and I I think I told you at the time I was like oh I just want to dance let's not do this you know touchy-feely now I just want to move I just want to dance but she gathered us There were probably 100 people in the room and just had us pause and honor and um, hold space for the victims and the people in the community of Sandy Hook we dedicated our dance to what had happened in Sandy Hook And from that point of breathing that in, letting that settle in my body, from there, we moved. And I had probably the most profound experience through movement that I've ever had. I had had all the emotion of the week that I hadn't had time or presence to get to. All of it just naturally came up through my body uncontrollably. And I had, you know, the only thing I can call it is an altered experience where I I had about 20 minutes of moving through the grief that I had stuffed and it just came up in my movement and I shook and I spinned and I closed my eyes and I shook my hands out and my shoulders and I just released and released and released and when I opened my eyes you know there were people who were keeping me safe who were basically holding space for me to make sure I could be in my experience fully and then after about 20 minutes I opened my eyes and just came back to the present moment of realizing I was in a room of a hundred people and then I just sank down to the floor and sat and um, continued to come back to myself in presence. But I had that grief in my body, just as anyone who goes through a grieving process does. It's whether we let it out and express it. That is the key. And
0: in community is so beautiful. So even mm. if it's not with people, we tend to think we have specific people we can release with or some people don't release at all. Mm. But when you go back to those campfire days of of telling stories and of dancing around, be able to express ourselves through the seasons of life. Yes. I think that idea of grief is profound to come back to that community. And I do wonder, so so you, were, you I think you said you were sobbing and you felt held. I mean, mm-hmm. it was... We, and we don't allow ourselves that emotion, mm. that intensity. Mm.
3: Mm. In this experience, it overtook me. It wasn't, I didn't even have an opportunity to think, do I feel comfortable crying in this crowd? It was one of these, and I didn't know everybody intimately. It wasn't like a hundred people, a hundred friends. It was the dance community. We don't talk a lot. We move together. And yes, I was, the release came in the form of uncontrollable shaking and sobbing and I think there was sound i don't even fully know what i released but um yeah it just erupted it just erupted and was incredibly healing and it's interesting you talk about around the campfire as a kid when we were kids and we ran around you know that run around energy that was a similar kind of release, right? We just, as children, we naturally know how to get it out. We just, or like your dog or cat, when they're overstimulated, they run around. But we are so focused on shoulds and doing. And fixing and, it in our heads. Fixing it in our heads, yes, yes. That there's not room for pausing, identifying, and letting go of so that we can move forward.
0: So you Mm -hmm. talked about that you're using that with some of your grief work is what I can understand too. And, and so I wanted you to talk about that for just a few minutes as well.
3: So I'm a, I'm a leadership coach and in my, my work, I also do end of life hospice work and support people in doing online memorials for those that they've lost. And what has happened over these last couple of years of COVID is that the two areas of work have come together and. Being with people in the grief of what we're all in, we're all grieving, we're all grieving, whether it's letting go of a particular job situation, the way it looked, or the way we worked, or who we worked with, or we're letting go of people, and we're dealing with our own health and letting go of a way of being in the world, a lifestyle whatever it is, things are never going to be the same. And there is a grief process involved in identifying what was, being present in what is, and making peace with where we are where we are, and where we're going. And that's grief. And so, yes, I have brought that awareness, brought some of my experience with being with and presencing and movement into my coaching practice.
0: Is there anything else that you feel like you call this the third third, kind of living with the end in mind. Hmm. So I just wanted to give you one more kind of way to give us a frame of what that feels like for you. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I guess
3: for me, and I can I can just speak with my own experience as I live into my third third of my life, there's and Cove and the experience we've just are living and have lived through with COVID. There's a new perspective that we don't have all the time in the world, that it's sort of now or never. Whatever it is that you're hoping to manifest or change or see or understand, it's now. Now is the time.
0: And to love more. I mean, to me, it, it all comes back down to that. Mm, you know, this abundance of the presence being about love.
3: If you like this episode, You'll also love other episodes on our website under
0: the listen tab. Scroll down to our open nesting category. Well, you know what I want to bring it back to the relationship because I do think, you know, Amir and I a lot talk often about feeling the ground the groundedness of a really rich relationship. And so we have developed that and we feel like we'll always have each other's backs and with so much love and support and, and space to encourage each other's growth. And so I feel like no matter what each of us go out and do, we're able to have that home base, that, Mm -hmm. that nest that feels like our relationships, because really, as Esther Perel says, the cloud of our relationship determines the quality of our lives. So you guys have this. I I feel it from you. This vibratingly beautiful relationship. Do you think you could operate at the same level you are in what you're doing without that?
2: No, (laughs) nobody would want to hang out with me if Kit
0: weren't here. Uh, I find that hard to believe.
1: Meeting Kit was a life changing event.
2: Absolutely. It's brought my children to me. It's, it's, It's making the business make sense. Somehow with Kit present, it's enough of a statement about me that people some for some reason want to stick around yeah. it's just I just feel so fortunate
3: it's a little too
0: much credit but, you know.
2: <laughs> I I feel the same so, with, no. with Tessa so
0: so but, you, but it's a two-way street so you were talking about that you were saying something last night about this kit you started bringing.
3: well we were talking about it last night how it was different than our previous relationships and I think You know that notion of bringing out the best in one another it's very real you know we're already good people we're smart people we're successful people but then we come together and we bring out this higher level of ourselves and you know going into your third third at a higher level with the part you know your soulmate or the the person you're supposed to be with or the perfect i don't know supposed to be with whatever but the person you're with that really works that um You know, you take the relationship goes to a new level and so does your life as an individual. It's a very it's I feel
0: so lucky. So one plus one doesn't just equal to it equals 11. Like (laughs) the resonance of that that is Ah. so powerful because it's so how we feel. And and I and that's why we like to to show people that I'm so happy that you guys have had two other tries at this because it gives people hope. Yeah,
2: you got to keep coming back up to bat. Yep.
0: No, you
3: learn a lot from your mistakes. There's no question. Each, each, each opportunity I am grateful for because it has taught me something about myself that has brought me to where I am now. You
2: can refine better what you want. Perfect. Yeah. By, by, learning what you don't want. By default, you both
1: become open nesters eventually. I mean, you twice over, uh, Kit, and now a third, the third of the third. And uh, Jeff, you become an open-nester just because uh, of you, your divorce and the kids were already older. And you are in that stage and you were able to capitalize on uh, being together and not having to have the responsibility of children. So exactly, you were able to develop your own career, your own relationship. And this is what this... Uh, Act three, the open nesting stage, is really all about. We want to give people hope that there is life after the kids have left the nest. We have several of our audience that discuss with us that that stage of life has really become like more meaningful because of our podcast. And we want to continue to give that hope to people that there is hope after that. They think that, hey, it's, it's over. Now life is over. Now what, what's now? We don't have anything to focus on. And you were there from the beginning, and that's wonderful. Oh yeah, yeah. And you're, I, I,
0: you're still having so I, much fun. That's what I loved yeah. about this message. Like you're just both having so much fun, and that's how oh, you yeah. came together, and that's how you're entering Act Three. And I just
2: one of the one of the the real wonderful things about Kit and I coming together now is that. The only creature that we're raising together is this puppy back here and we're doing pretty well i don't know how we would have done with kids if we if we had met each other 30 years ago i don't know if it if if i mean i don't know well, you know who knows
1: that's a very very
2: interesting uh um observation, statement to make. observation yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean you, you, you know there there have not been big external stresses on you know we're, we're not in the process of trying to define our lives or figure out what our future is going to look like or you know thinking about trying to buy a house or have kids or raise kids i mean all these these very big life decisions and 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 projects are behind us so we kind of just get to fool around right. you know <laughs> and have fun so great <laughs> yeah.
3: the third third everything there's a lot of clarity in the third third mm-hmm. things come into focus it's yeah. lovely
0: so how can people reach you kit
3: uh they can reach me at kitforliving.com that's the best
0: way is, to find is me. Is it kit with one T or two T's? One, one T. T. Kit for living. Okay. Kit for Dot com. That's beautiful. Uh, I love-
3: Happy to chat with anyone.
1: And Jeff, I, I want to ask you if you have any kind of, uh, uh, I guess, advice to give in, in your wise. And you've got to that stage where you're an elder almost. I mean, you are and any advice you can give to uh, open nesters whether they are got there by default whether they are got there naturally anything that you can advise them
2: you know the thing that i that i keep coming back to is i'm happier than i've ever been in my life i'm happy in my body it still works mostly and and, and i know that there's not an infinite amount of this left so treasuring treasuring every day i've got and being grateful for it is the thing that that is. Uh, if there's anything to do, that's that,
1: it. That is a great advice. Excellent advice. Treasuring and gratefulness.
0: Well, you guys, really, such a treat to be on on this call with you and and stay on for a minute for us to wrap up. But really, I want to thank each of you for sharing and and being with us today. Absolutely, and
1: opening really your 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 hearts to us. Thank you.
2: Thanks. It's an honor. It's an honor. It's an honor to have you be curious (laughs) about
1: it. No, we are. We are curious about anything that can add value and relevance to to our audience. And, you know, this is really what we are on a mission to to educate, to inspire uh, others. And you definitely have been able to do that. Tessa, before we go into our summary, I'd like to give the audience a taste for our next week episode with Reed and Allison, polyamorous partners and sex educators.
0: It's quite an edgy episode, and they cover some topics that opened our eyes, and we're pretty well-versed in sexuality, so if you have kids nearby for next week, just make sure that they're not in earshot. Here we go. I think a
1: lot
3: of us, we we find an identity that works for us, or we find a partner that works for us, and then we kind of stake it in and we dig in deep and then we stay there for our our lives and we often don't give ourselves permission to kind of be in a constant state of unfolding and i think one of the beautiful things about i mean should we all be so lucky as to age right and that that is is a privilege denied to many um those of us who are able to get to a place where we are finding new things about our sexuality and how our bodies change and how pleasure changes through us Particularly those of us who are, you know, have uteruses like our hormones shift so dramatically throughout our lives that we might not only find that we desire things differently, but pleasure feels different.
1: Yes, uh, we are married for uh, 32 years almost. And the concept of the third marriage, as uh, Kit said, the third, third, third marriage for both of them is kind of like real radical for me.
0: Well, it's interesting. There are a lot of people out there with second and third marriages by the stage we're at. And we could talk a little more about where we're fortunate and being able to find those blessings to, we both think that becoming polyamorous helped us in our long marriage and yet our devotion and commitment and having kind of securely attached backgrounds helped us as well. Um, Actually, we have an episode about if you're securely attached. It's pretty interesting. I just want to say that I, we, we there's no judgment. It's so important to know that we can be happier, and that the we're graduating. I think Esther Perel says you graduate from your first marriage. Don't look down on it. Some people need to graduate to something new to understand how rich their relationships can be. And this couple got that.
1: Yeah, and I am, uh, you know, I am having a real difficulty grasping the idea. How is it possible that you don't know your son-in-law? And, and being in that type of a relationship with your kids when your daughter is married now for over six years and the first time that you're meeting your son-in-law. I mean, our relationship with our kids are so robust and involved on a daily basis which is, it's a very hard concept for me personally to, to grasp.
0: For some people it is, but stuff happens. I mean, like we have a, we have Dr. Joshua Coleman coming on about estrangement in the next few episodes, actually in March, because a lot of people deal with all of this and it's a lot of grief that we have to go through. And I, And that's actually what I said at the beginning, that when we find love and we can celebrate the moment, then we don't have to look back. We can look at the present. And, you know, sometimes I think, Kit said it about dancing and she and I really connected about dancing that resilience is overrated. We we can't just bounce back. So the the learning is deep and it's about how our what, what is our body, what is our soul telling us that needs to move into a new space? And this marriage, this third third, has that space and that joy and that love to offer, and there's no judgment in in the fact that that didn't work the first other times, that was a learning experience. And, and
1: I'm going back to the not knowing your daughter or kid. You know, he says something very, very valuable for me that we don't remember pain in just having a full day with his daughter a few years later can really make up for all this lost time. And I can see that. I can really understand that.
0: I mean, it gets lodged in our body, so I, I don't know yeah. that I feel a hundred percent about that.
1: Oh, letting go—that's the whole that, idea of letting go.
0: And letting go completely is something that is a—we still hold shadows, and it, it takes a lot of work. So I'm just talking about this idea of love because w- this whole February is about love and sexuality, and I think that love for me is is similar to spirituality because it expands as we notice it more. And so I feel like, yes, it's all about being in the present to notice the love. And that's where that abundance can come from rather than scarcity. And and you felt the fun and the joy in their celebration of love.
1: So much to learn from. And I was thinking about, you know, how would you like to be 18? Not in age, but 18 in the podcast arena of relationship. (laughs) That's what we rated.
0: Yeah, that was a big, great surprise for us, and and we really, truly, from the bottom, really from full gratitude hearts, want to thank you, our listeners, from putting us at that spot. That our relation, that we are actually one of the top one hundred podcasts. I think that we have like between a million and two million podcasts in the world. So the fact that we're in the top hundred by Good pods that we were rated, uh, ranked, and that we're so excited to be able to celebrate and continue this journey with you and love to hear more of the things that you want to hear more about. So please share that with us.
1: Yeah, and go to our website. This is where it's all happening. Our website that has the blogs, has the categories for all of the different podcasts that we have uh, produced over the past year plus. Uh, And it is The Open Nesters, The Open Nesters, double N in the middle, S at the end. Visit us, fill up the listener survey, give us a comment, and let us know if you know of anybody that can add value to our podcast by being a guest or anything else that you may tell us. And Tessa will tell you about our Facebook page. Yes,
0: our closed Facebook page. And obviously, you can find us on Instagram, The Open Nesters. In our closed discussion, we're building an audience and we welcome you because this stage of elderhood is wise and beautiful and can be filled with love and especially during this this month that we're doing things about love we would love to hear more from you
1: and don't forget to join us next week with allison reed that's going to be one hell of an interview i guarantee you that it will uh, yeah it will it will shock you a little bit Anyway, till next time, this is Amir.
0: And this is Tessa.
1: And we will see you next episode. Ciao.
0: You have been listening to the Open Nesters podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing. Executive producer, Tessa Krohn. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email Tessa at theopennesters.com. That's double N in the middle, S at the end, theopennesters.com.